just want to lift out a few verses. Verse 24 to the end of the chapter, Matthew 20, chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for everyone you've brought tonight. We know there's no accidents with you. And so now, Father, we ask you to shut each and every one of us in with yourself. We thank you for the gifts and the talents that have been used here tonight. Lord, in every way, in every fashion and form, with people laboring and working to keep the drive-in going, we thank you for each and every one of them. We ask you, God, now that your spirit would Speak to hearts and lives. And even as it's been prayed earlier, if there's one unsaved, would you save them? Backslidden, would you restore them? And Lord, your church, would you edify them? Glorify your name and then through the preaching of your word and touch my lips that I may speak well of thee. Lord Jesus, have the preeminence, we pray. In your name we ask it. Amen. Matthew chapter 7 is not an isolated chapter where we start a story afresh, but rather it comes from chapter 5 through chapter 6 and then into chapter 7. Hence, the Lord in our opening verse, in verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, the sayings that went before, whosoever hears them, and does them like a man who is wise and he builds his house upon a rock. And those who hear and do not, they are like the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. I'm sure we all know that story well, even from Sunday school. But nevertheless, in chapter 5 is the, the Beatitudes. We have the kingdom ethics of that which is looked for in kingdom people. For example, there are nine blesseds at the very start of chapter 5. And believe it or not, people think that in Matthew chapter 5, and again it is said in a similar fashion in Luke chapter 6, they think it's just to look at the same place, point in time, taking it with the synoptic gospel to look at the Beatitudes again, but really they are said in two entirely different places. 
Matthew chapter 5, and the Beatitudes actually are on the hillside in Galilee. And Luke chapter 6, it is said again, in the plains of Judea. So the Lord actually has said it twice, and so he has confirmed these things, reminding ourselves of the two houses of Israel, and there where judgment fell on both being the children, the called people of God. Note here he says the blessed in chapter 5. In chapter 6 he also then he mentions the, the way to pray and to trust. Not to take an anxious thought for tomorrow. Leaning us on the sovereignty of his father. Why take ye thought for the morrow? That is, why take ye anxious thought? There's a word for you, brother. There's a word for you, sister. Christ would ask us why, since we trust in him, since we are his as believers, then why take ye an anxious thought for tomorrow? Then when we move into chapter 7, the Lord then, first of all, from verses 1 to 5, we have people judging and it's, he speaks on what is known as the error of judgment. The error of judgment. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured unto you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Now, Christ is not telling us we are not to judge. We are to judge, but it's a righteous judgment. The idea being here, that man is guilty, looks at another man's sins, and in his own guilt judges him harshly. And also it gives the idea of the man who is judging having a beam in his eye where his brother has a moat or a little speck in his eye. In other words, you're the greater sinner judging the lesser. We find sometimes people who have not found themselves or realized the grace of God in their lives. They are quick to judge. Quick to judge others who seemingly are falling by the wayside. But yet we are to test the spirits whether they be of God. We are to judge for we will know them by their fruit because later in the chapter the Lord says that. But the idea is, is to get the full picture. The weighing up is it like the character of the person who's striving to go on with God or is it not? And hence then to judge because then the full picture of our life the Father will look at us with the same measure, knowing not grace and giving not grace. So we have the error of judgment from verses 1 to 5. In verse 6, we have the, the truth and the hearer of truth. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their foot and turn again and rend you. The Lord Jesus is really telling us not that we are not to evangelize. He tells us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But the idea of this is, is when there are the precious, 
precious, mysterious things of revelation that men and women cannot handle, are not ready to accept, be careful whom you share them with. For with them they will take it and rend it to you again. Here again he's teaching us of the ethics of the kingdom of God. For revelation, truth revealed, is to be obeyed. Then when we get between verse 7 and verse 11, he goes back to prayer. He goes to the character of prayer. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. Notice here he's telling us of the character of perpetual prayer. In the original Greek text that means ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking. He's telling us to knock and keep on knocking. He tells us in a picture of the love of his father for his own. That is for you and for me. Verse 9 he says, Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So here he brings us again to the character of perpetual prayer. To seek God and not to give up. To pray. Don't be through praying, brother, sister, but rather pray through it. Do not be through praying, but rather pray through it. And then we have in verse 12 what has been called the Everest of the ethics of the kingdom. Verse 12, Therefore all things, whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You see, the law was written, the moral law, on two tables of stone. The first four was between Israel or, and God, between man and God. And the next six was between man and fellow mankind, between fellow people. And hence the Lord says, here we have relationship throughout chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 to this point. Now relationship between ourselves. How you would like to be treated. Treat others. If you like to be respected. Respect others. If you want to be loved. Love others. If you want to have grace. Be gracious to others. And henceforth. It is known as the Everest. Of the ethics. Climb to the pinnacle point. For on this he says. Is the law and the prophets. Those who came before to tell us of the glories of God. And so then in verses 14 and 15, we mentioned it last week, we have the man and woman at the crossroads. The crossroads. Verse 13. 
Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the great gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Here he's saying there comes a time where the crossroads, when there are those who have to press into the kingdom, coming through the cross, trusting in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe tonight there's someone here, you're not yet saved. You haven't yet come to the cross in repentance and are turning away from sin and from the world and turning on to God and beholding the Lamb and trusting in Him fully for your salvation and forgiveness of sin. So we have life comes to the crossroads. I trust tonight there's a life tonight will be at a crossroads. Maybe a Christian is a, at a crossroads in their life of decision. Whether to go on with God or walk away. Whether to dig deep in the faith or to start to shy away from the things of God. To get involved in the kingdom work. Or to walk away onto our own. Notice here from verses 15 to 20. He warns us of false prophets and favorable fruit. False prophets and favorable fruit. In verse 15, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Everyone who claims the name of Christ, everyone who says they speak for Christ, they are not always Christ, but rather... They are ravening wolves, and hence the church becomes degraded in the eyes of the world because of such characters and people. But the favorable fruit is shown in the lives of those who are truly Christ's. Verse 16, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? So every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. We can't read all of it tonight, but this is what Christ is telling us in the run-in to our reading tonight of the wise man and the foolish man on the rock and on the sand where they build their house. So where tonight are you building your house? On what tonight are you building your house? With what tonight are you building your house? Verses 21 to 23. Talks of false pretenses. People talking a good talk, but not walking a good walk. False pretenses. Verse 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You see, friend, you have to know the word of God. To be able to know the will of God, and if you know the word and the will of God, then you must follow God. You must follow the Lord Jesus Christ, for they followed the Lamb whithersoever he will. And so we must lay down the weights and the sins which doth so easily beset us. 
And we must run the race. We must run the race that we may obtain the prize. The prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So here we have those who are crying, Lord, Lord. And they didn't even know him. And he didn't know them. Verse 22, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Notice the term, I never knew you. Isn't that strange? That God would say, I never knew you. Sure, he's God. Does he not know everyone? Does he not know everything? Is he not omniscient? Of course he does. And of course he is. He's all of that. But the idea here is that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying it like this. I never knew you. It means to know you intimately with a close, intimate fashion. A place where it's just you and him. A place of prayer. A place of worship. A place of reading. A place of listening. A place of service. A place of following. Gives the idea here that a man and a woman, when they are married, coming together. He says, I never was close to you. I never Knew you as a man knows his wife in the spirit. That's why we're told to make your calling and your election sure. To make your calling your election sure. Notice here now our reading. Therefore, once we read the words, therefore, it means look at what we have said. All the language beforehand. The blesseds, nine of them, with kingdom ethics in Matthew 5. All the teaching through Matthew 6. Coming into Matthew 7 as we have looked at it. Because of all this, therefore he says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. The word wise there is the word phronimos. Phronimos. And it really means, we know what wise is, but it means someone who is sagacious in their character. And really, really sagacious means someone who has an insight. For example, there are those who have thinking of when they retire and they lay aside. They have a retirement plan. They're looking ahead. They're preparing now. And they're ready. They're working up till that day. And here the Lord is saying, the man who builds his house upon the rock the man who builds his house, he is a wise man. He is saying, now, Lord, I build myself on you. My salvation rests in you. 
My redemption is all because of you. And hence me and my family, we are on the rock. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the winds and the rain comes and it beats on the house. But the rock is sure and steadfast. It's firm. Gives the idea they have discernment for the future. Now whether that future be one moment from now. One breath in our lungs from now. It is wise for all of us. It is wise for you sir. For you lady. To be building and to be sure. Your house is on the rock. That means your salvation rests on Christ. It's fixed on him. Fully. Totally. And completely. By the way. The word here for rock is the word Petra. Means a massive. Mass. Of a movable rock. Suppose we can look at the rock of Gibraltar. A massive mass of immovable rock. And there God is our rock. Christ is our rock. Deuteronomy 32 tells us that God is the rock. Of course in 1 Corinthians 10. We're told of the rock that followed Israel. That spiritual rock which was Christ. The word Petra is used in Matthew chapter 17, 16. The Lord Jesus says, Whom say ye that I the Son of Man am? After he asks what the people say. Some say you're Elias, John the Baptist, or one of the, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he says, But whom say ye that I am? Peter replies, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord Jesus replies unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on to say, And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word rock isn't Peter the rock. Peter is, means stone. It's the word Petros. Petros. Stone. It can be moved hither and thither. A stone that can be moved here and there. And while he'll be a strength in the church, he is not the rock, the foundation in the church. He is not the first pope of the Roman church. And it is not built on him, but rather the revelation from the Father through the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. It's this rock, a Petra, an immovable mass, that I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he says. Oh, the pagan Romans used to feed the early Christians the lions. They became cat food on a regular basis. Used to take their children and take a carcass of an animal, put their children alive in the Colosseums inside the beast, and sew it up. Lying in the middle of the Colosseum, they would have taken the Christian parents. And all they had to do was to take the sands and the salts 
and hail Caesar and deny Christ. They were really saying, no, Caesar is God. Caesar is Pontifax, Maximus. Caesar is king. But they denied him and they took hold of their faith in Christ. And there the lions were let out. And as they ravished the lion carcass on the ground, as the teeth and the claws went in, there their children were out alive, but their faith was rested on the rock. And the winds came, and the wind blew, and the rain came upon them in the form of Nero, who made candles out of them and lanterns and burned them around the walls. And still they trusted, still they rested, and still they belonged to the Christ of God. And on this, on this rock, Christ builds his church. The revelation of whom he is. By the Spirit of God. Oh, think of 15 million martyrs. Slain and massacred. All throughout the papal years. Slain and burned at the stake. One young woman at the stake. Ready to give birth. And they piled out the wood and the faggots around her. While they tied her to the stake. And there as they're lighting it. The young woman gives birth to the baby. This is a true story. She gives birth to the baby. One of the priests, one of the people take it out and the priest takes it off them and throws the baby back into the burning fire. And yet Christ was with them every step of the way. And yet in that Christ... He was there beside them. There their faith was founded on the rock, which is Christ Jesus. Oh, talk about being wise unto salvation. Talk about being wise for his glory. The Phronimus say, look to a greater glory than the weights of this earth. And now it is, Christians so-called fall away from Christ because someone didn't speak to them in church. And they'll run and put their trust in everything and anything else so as they don't rock the boat and so as they don't get in trouble or in case the newspapers got hold of them, in case someone said something derogatory about them or social media Managed to get the hold of it. These people were wise of the salvation, founded and grounded on the rock Christ Jesus because they had the revelation of the Holy Ghost. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. We note here, the wise will build their house upon a rock. Takes time. Takes time to build. You just don't say that's it, I'm on it. There's a work, there's a labor, there's a process, but nevertheless, 
even when sometimes we have a shaky time, we don't fall off the rock. We fall on the rock. He is our sure foundation. Now, wise man will build his house upon a rock. Also, the wise man, not only for salvation, but the living as the building. He'll take his family. He'll lead his wife and children in the ways of the Lord. Brother, be the priest of your home. And lead your wife. And lead your family. Especially in these dreadful, dark, and dismal, dingy days. When dastardly deeds of devils are everywhere. And the darkness is falling all around. Well, listen, take heart. And take the wanks of thought for the morrow. For we can be assured of this. Christ is coming again. And he will rule. And he will reign. Moving quickly. The wise man built his house upon the rock. But notice this. Verse 25. Pardon me. Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine. And doeth them not. All this went on, and you still don't do it. Notice, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Many people wonder, why their lives fall to bits at the first trial. Why their life is falling to bits when they're not even saved. And those who claim that they're atheists, following the religion of atheism. Yes, the religion of atheism. It's harder to believe that nothing formed everything than it is to believe that a supreme and sovereign God fashioned all things. But yet, the atheist will say there is no God, deny him. Even today, there was some troll online came on right through some of our teachings. Heal Satan, heal Satan, heal Satan the whole way through it. Had to work through it this afternoon to get rid of it. And yet when the first thing happens, they say, well, where's God and why is my life a mess? Why is our land in such trouble? Oh no, what are we going to do? And there's no hope for us. But those whose house is built on the rock, there they look to Christ. I note this. The foolish man. The word foolish here is a word, a Greek word, moros, moros, for foolish, moros. That's where you and I get our English word moron, moron. Now, if we call someone a moron, well, it's offensive. It's offensive to say most things today, but let alone when we call someone a moron, then it's offensive. Yet... Yet Christ used this word, moron, moros. 
You see, this word, it scorns the heart. It's the reason of it. It scorns the heart and the character of the person. The fool builds his house, the moron. Oh, you feel it. Go deep into the heart, the offense of it. Now, many might say, you know, you shouldn't really say a word like that. But Christ said it. It scorns the heart and the character of the person. In other words, the way it is said, it is a severe condemnation of Christ. To the man and the woman who hears and does not build. You might say, well now, it's not very Christian of you to mention these things. It's not very Christ-like. Well, as I said, it was Christ that said it. But let me just look at things that are Christ-like. For example, Matthew 23 and verse 33, the Lord Jesus speaking to the leaders of the Jews, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the scribes. Listen to what he says. Ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? He says you're like a bunch of snakes to these people. People who say today, that's not how you preach the gospel and that's not how you speak to people. You're very crass and crude. You're very strong and hard. It's not very Christian, not very Christ-like, but these are the words of Christ himself. Matthew 15, verse 26. The woman comes looking. The Lord would help her. The Lord would help her children. And this is what he says. It is not meat to take the children's bread to cast it to dogs. The offense of this. And this is the words of Jesus. You may say, well, it's not very Christian. It's not very Christ-like, yet it is Christ's own words. John chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And when he had scourged the small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. This is the Lord Jesus. He drove them out of the temple. Listen, goes on to say, and he poured out the he poured out the changers' money and overthrew their tables. He starts wielding a whip, kicking them out of the temple. He gets their money and he pours it out over the floor and he takes the table and he turns them over. Not very Christ-like. Not very Christian off you can. I didn't do it, but the Master did. You will turn with me to the coming Christ in 2 Thessalonians, please. 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians in chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's let me get a drink. My throat's dry. Thank you. <clears throat> Verse 7. Paul writes, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord 
and the glory of his power. Paul writes that about the coming of Christ. He's going to do this, not me. Notice the last verse 10. When he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe. So Christ is coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when he comes, that will happen to the unbeliever, but to the believer. We will glorify him because we will admire him. In Revelation 2 and 7, in Revelation 12 and 5, in Revelation 19 and 15, all of those speak of the coming Christ ruling with a rod of iron. Not very Christian. Not very Christ-like. But that's the word of God. I have to ask you tonight, are you saved? People think we'll die, we'll all float off to heaven some way, spiritually, and you know, we'll waft to heaven in a hand basket, we'll play our harp and get a halo, even maybe a a nice set of wings, and you know, we'll walk around the, the golden streets with pearly gates, and they have this wonder in their mind, and they didn't even know the Christ of God nor the God of heaven. And yet when we read this, we see the importance and the striving to enter in that straight gate by the cross into the narrow way, the importance of trusting in our life to go on with God, striving to walk, to build our house on Christ the solid rock, to keep our faith no matter what comes our way, to keep trusting in the face of adversity. That God would give us the grace, the perseverance of the saints, being the preservation of the Holy Ghost in the saints. Notice here, and I'm coming to a close. The foolish man, the moros. You have the phronimos, which is the wise man, the man who looks ahead. Oh, that the Spirit would give you vision. The coming of the Lord which draweth nigh. That the Spirit would give you vision that if you're not saved, you must be born again. That the weight of the things of this earth are nothing to be compared with that in glory. Of the Thronimos, the wise man, and the Moros, the foolish man, the moronic man, the moron man. Yes, it scorns the heart. And it digs deep into the character. And yes, it's a severe condemnation to those people from the Lord. But even as it was sung tonight, the Father has a great love for you. And hence he has brought you tonight that you'd hear of his love and his grace and his mercy that he gave his Son for you. That if you trust in him with all of your heart, common repentance of your sin, that he will forgive you and he will make you his own, his child. So I finish 
In Matthew 25, from verses 2 to 9, we have the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise. Five were foolish. It's not always the same word, but it is here. Five were phronimos. They had oil in their vessels and in their lamps. But the foolish were moros. They got on moronic where they burned only the lamp till it went out and they had no oil in their vessel to top up. And while they went, behold, the cry came. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And the wise went out to meet him. Told they went into the marriage supper and the doors were shut. And the five foolish who had went to buy came back, rapping on the door, open up to us. And the Lord said, Depart, I know you not. I don't mean to be offensive to you. But if you're foolish in turning away of Christ, if you're foolish on rejecting the Lord Jesus, not coming to him in faith. If you're foolish, what if tonight the door was shut? What if tonight was your last? Brother, sister, let's be wise. Let's keep looking forward. Let's keep looking ahead. Be grounded on the rock, the firm foundation which none other can lay. And that which is led, which is Christ Jesus. Let us finish the course that's set before us and let us run the race. Are you saved? I stand there every time, slip down as Glenn is praying to be there in case someone wants to talk to me about their soul. I'll be there again in a few moments. Come and see us. If you're concerned for your eternal welfare, if you're concerned about your soul security, if you're concerned about your salvation or lack of, if you've fallen away from Christ, and you realize I must get back, you need help, we'll help you. But I'll be standing there. Please come and see me. Pull up alongside or walk over. And we'll talk to you and pray with you. May God bless us all. For his name's sake. Thank you so many of you. It's fantastic turnout today. Believe God has spoken this morning. Believe God is speaking this evening. And may his word have free course in all our hearts. Glenn, thank you.